Welcome to Strategy International, a podcast produced by PodMTL that brings you insightful conversations with experts from all over the world on topics related to international relations and policy, security, defense, environment, and much more. And now, your host, George Santrizos. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Strategy International podcast. This is the podcast produced for Strategy International, a global think tank that specializes on issues related to international policy, defense, security, economy, the environment, and much, much more, um, with a collection of a variety of experts from all over the world bringing their insight. Uh, of course, you can visit the website for further information on www strategyinternational.org where you will find different opinion editorials and publications on a variety of issues. Speaking of experts, we have an amazing guest today, uh, Dr. Nineta Polemi. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, thank you very much and I'm honored for this invitation. Um, so I look forward to this podcast. Actually, it's my first one, so well, okay. there's, there's a first for everything. So there's a first okay. for everything. So we're glad that your first podcast is with Strategy International. Um, I'm really, really excited. And I'll tell you why. Because uh, when our uh, common friend and uh, CEO of Strategy International sent me your bio, uh, and I was reading it, which we're going to go over because it's really, really impressive. Um, I, I, I was really excited to, to meet with you because you are an expert uh, in a topic that intrigues many people, including myself, yet I personally have very little knowledge about it. Um, and I'd love to pick your brain on exactly what it is, um, how it's evolved, and uh, how countries and governments are um, are working around it. We're going to talk about cybersecurity and cyber terrorism, something that in the last couple of years has become, in my opinion, you know, the center of attention. Um but before we get to that, let me let me you know bear with me for a second because your biography here is really really impressive. You are a cybersecurity professor at the University of Piraeus in Athens. Um, you've been the program manager and policy officer uh, in the European Commission. You obtained your PhD in applied mathematics um, at the City University of New York, where you also teached and researched. Uh, you uh, following that, you went to uh, l'Université Libre de Bruxelles. Um, you have over 150 publications on this uh, on this topic on security specifically. You've organized numerous um, scientific and policy uh, cybersecurity events. Um, you are, in my opinion, the best person to talk about this. Um, and but before we get into it, I I, I just want to pick your brain. How is this a topic that interested you? How did you manage to follow into this field? Well, actually, as um, you just read, I started uh, with applied mathematics. My PhD is on coding theory and cryptography. And uh, following Shannon's steps, who is the father of cryptography, actually, the next step is to go to cyber security, to security, actually. So I followed that path. Uh, interests me because uh, it combines, uh, first of all, the background is mathematics, uh, um, very few people know it's not on it's not only uh intrusion detection systems and uh, sniffers and network uh, analysis tools uh, these are the tools but the background of um, of security is indeed uh, cryptography uh so it was uh, an evolution that um just uh, I followed the evolution of the subject um 
I want to get into that topic because it feels to me that you know, ever since 9-11 happened, everything seemed to change, right? Um, suddenly, uh, even even though terrorism, you know, has been around, you know, in different types of forms for hundreds of years, suddenly after the attacks um, in New York, everyone was sensitized to what was being perceived as perhaps the biggest and realest threat for civilians everywhere and anywhere. Do you feel like that was a new chapter where terrorism started to become a little bit more sophisticated? Well, uh, digitalization actually brings uh, this uh, new, uh, uh, actually, subject of cybersecurity and cyber defense. Uh, the more the introduction of new technologies like uh, blockchain, artificial intelligence, uh, distributed systems, uh, as the technologies evolve, of course, uh, it, they come with uh, uh, with, uh, with threats. Uh, threats at all levels, at the physical layer, like uh, physical infrastructures, buildings, data centers, and so on. And then, of course, we have uh, attacks and threats, uh, the telecom layer, networks, with all type of networks these days, from internet to ad hoc networks to satellite networks, so a telecom equipment. Uh, so uh, there are threats for this uh, new technology, if you like. And then we have the um, uh, various uh, IT technologies, servers, uh, systems, ERPs uh, that we use all the time. Uh, in any company, in any organization, in any in digital infrastructure. Then you have uh, services, uh, digital services, whether they are electronic services, mobile services, satellite services, and we will see the satellite uh, commerce will evolve and will, uh, will progress over the years. And of course, we have um, threats uh, in, uh, in the digital services, uh, how they are set up from process down to how the the data is are being stored is being mm -hmm. stored, and then we have data. Um, uh, Thirty years ago, the only data we had in mind were physical data stored in a in a locker in a, mm -hmm. in, a in a closet. Yeah, in a file but now cabinet. we have exactly file cabinet. Uh, these were the nice uh, good days, mm -hmm. and uh, but now we have uh, data from everywhere. Your smart uh, uh, refrigerator, your smart appliances uh, uh, provide data that we, we collect, we analyze, we store, we communicate this data. So we have this plethora of data that uh, are feeding our services, are feeding our algorithms. And, and then, of course, uh, we have this new hype of artificial intelligence. But, of course, artificial intelligence... Uh, is from uh, the 50s. But what makes a difference is, first of all, this plethora of data we have from all different sources. As I said, smart appliances, surveillance systems, uh, um, uh, smart traffic lights, uh, they all give, uh, give us data. So, of course, artificial intelligence has become a hype, uh, along with not only data, but also with the uh, computing power we have these days. So, um, and then we have uh, users that uh, users are not only physical persons and companies and enterprise anymore, but they are objects. 
objects that authenticate themselves with RFIDs, new technologies that make objects living, living creatures, users of the information system. So, of course, there are threats uh, in uh, for you know for masquerading identities, not only of persons but also of, of objects. Mm -hmm. So we live in this uh, complex digital environment that uh, threats are being um, there. But the question is, of course, how vulnerable we are to these threats. It's, and uh, we, go ahead, uh, we are as vulnerable as uh, uh, our vulnerability level depends upon the controls, mitigation actions we have undertaken. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating what you just said about us being susceptible to to these threats at any given time, uh, and you know, while I was thinking about this interview, and I was looking at, you know, what terrorism used to be, and it, at least in my mind, and maybe I'm, I have a very innocent way of seeing this, but it seems as though it was always like this primitive form where, you know, large masses were always targeted you know, uh, a public market, a school, a train or a bus station. And, and it seemed as though it's like this very unintelligent way of causing harm and threat uh, to individuals. And it seems now with what you're explaining that there are some really smart brains behind this new sophisticated way uh, of um, of targeting, uh, you know, countries, businesses, institutions in, in this different way. It's a whole other world, it feels. Well, uh, this was always the case in life. Uh, the more the technology, uh, uh, the more the, the, the bad guys trying to not only technology can can do a lot of good, but uh, there are bad guys that can use it for uh, for for very unethical, let's say, mm -hmm. purposes. And here is the case. Actually, there are many studies of how analyzing adversaries, attackers, uh, um, threat agents, as we call them. So have the threat agents that uh, they mean well, and this can be testers, um, auditors, uh, uh, vulnerability testers, and, and so on. And we have the bad guys, the, uh, the adversaries with bad uh, motives, so uh, bad motives, opportunities, and also targets. Mm -hmm. And uh, we can have uh, individuals that act as uh, uh, adversaries, but also group of individuals, even countries mm -hmm. that educate uh, not only people, but also uh, robots, machines to, to attack. So massive attacks uh, are here you know, it's a possibility in this digital ecosystem. Attacks that can propagate throughout the digital um, ecosystem, throughout our supply chain. So, um, that's an, another uh, discipline with, I mean, not discipline, another sector of cybersecurity is cyber psychology, trying to understand better the motives, the opportunities, the targets, and also psychological uh, issues of the of the adversaries' profiles. Uh, of course, we use a lot of uh, disciplines for such analysis. Criminal investigation uh, knowledge is very helpful. Uh, knowledge from behavioral scientists, from psychologists. So to understand, and uh, because the more you understand your enemy, 
uh, more prepared you are. Mm -hmm. So how well how well do you think these agents that are uh, looking out for these threats are informed or coached appropriately to face these challenges? It is relatively a newer thing. I mean, technology is evolving exponentially. Um, you're talking about law enforcement uh, and, and all these uh, agents are obviously they're aware of these threats. How prepared are they and how um, well knowledge are they on the matter uh, to face these challenges? Well, that's that's why I said before uh, we categorize the adversaries uh, in terms of motives, capabilities and opportunities. So capabilities, what type of skills they have, what type of uh, computing power they have available, what type of um, um, collaborations they are building with at national level, at international level, and so on. Uh, we know dark web is uh, the, the the meeting point uh, for, for many bad actions. So um, they kept, depending on the maturity level of the profile of the adversary, as we call it, we can have uh, a high school hacker that, uh, well, it's motivated to probably have fun and uh, just uh, um, hack one web page. But we can have uh, a national uh, uh, adversary that the motive is it can be... Um, terrorism, cybercrime, it can be um, uh, um, sabotage, commercial espionage, uh, even war. I mean, we saw in Ukraine, uh, with the war in Ukraine, we saw many, many attacks. Mm -hmm. Why? Because uh, cyber war is, is here. I mean, mm -hmm. The war will not only be a physical, will not use physical means only, but also cyber means. And uh, we see this all the time. Um, you, you've clearly spent an enormous amount of time, you know, organizing and participating in events where, I'm guessing the purpose is to inform and to sensitize the different actors, leaders, maybe government officials about the importance of cybersecurity. Uh, when when these different governments are making or or institutions when they're making you know their risk uh, the risk or their threat assessments, where do you think cyber terrorism or cyber crime or cybersecurity ranks in order of importance? Well. Um... The awareness level at national level at national level is not uh, very high. However, uh, uh, the last uh, five years we see a big progress at national level, and um, I will speak uh, about Europe, for example. Uh, Europe, European um, Union has necessary legislation instruments to um, to resent to become resilient of uh, attacks and uh, uh, laws like uh, the NIS directive uh, that um, imposes critical information infrastructures uh, to assess their risks report uh, threats uh, and mitigate uh, their risks we have also the NIS2 it's a proposal that uh, is a continuation of NIS that actually makes things even uh, more, uh, let's say, strict uh, and uh, imposes the requirement for assessing risk, not only to the critical information infrastructures, but to, to any 
digital infrastructure, also to the supply chain, uh, also uh, talks about fines in case uh, uh, they do not comply with NIS. This is a proposal. We also have the um, uh, Cybersecurity Act, a new directive that uh, uh, Europe would like to um, move for at, at the European level or towards uh, certifying ICT products. And by ICT products, we mean software, hardware, services. So uh, this will uh, make the European market more protected, more resilient to attacks. Uh, we also have uh, EID, uh, it's a directive for um, for electronic identities. And also the most important uh, for Europe is uh, GDPR, the direct the legislation that um, uh, that uh, imposes the assessment of privacy risks, the action for privacy risk, and the protection of, of course, of uh, privacy data. So, uh, of course, we have strategies. Uh, Europe, uh, European Union has set up uh, cybersecurity strategy, um, strategies for uh, maritime security, strategy for uh, space security, and so on. So. Europe is 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 trying to protect the continent with various legislation and strategies, and uh, of course we see in uh, in other countries uh, they follow uh, at at national level they try to guard not only technically but also from uh, with policy strategies and and legislation. What is, what is usually the, the the target behind these cyber attacks? Is it is it mostly information? I mean, is it material damage? I mean, how often does it happen? And you know, what is most often the target? For example, uh, is, is it governments? Is it institutions? Is it businesses? Is it kind of all together? The targets are usually assets or enterprises or organizations that uh, will bring a lot of economic benefit or or if if the motive is a financial of course it can be a whole country if the motive is loss of reputation loss of democratic confidence um or it can be of a cyber war as i said before so the motives uh, the the targets depend on the motives uh, we have, uh, of course, banks are always a very a, a big target because uh, there is a lot of money um, for economic money involved, uh, uh, and also uh, eventually we will also see space attacks, yeah. and that will be a problem. Um, so this is something that we need to think in the future how to protect space infrastructures as well so currently the now if you ask me what is the most common attack uh enisa the european air for information security agency that publishes uh, every, annually the most important attacks of the year uh this year the most important attack was phishing Actually, phishing is always at the highest uh, uh, at a priority for the attackers. Uh, so, phishing, uh, trying to uh, you know send you they send you an email mm. is so convincing. You just press the the wrong button, and of course you 
you get attacked. So phishing, uh, social engineering, fake news was also among the uh, major 10 um, attacks uh, in the year as reported by ENISA. Uh, also so, um, denial of service attacks, uh, that was another uh, big attack. So, you, and, and, but we see this uh, attack, especially phishing, it's, a, it's an attack that we see every year to uh, to hold the price. Mm -hmm. well, how do you how, how do you how does one prepare, you know, for you know for cyber counter attacks or cyber counter terrorism, if you want? Um, you know, what what do governments or institutions or even business do to avoid being uh, cyber attacked. Well, uh, actually, the the mitigation actions uh, need to be legal. As I said, in Europe, we have the legal instruments to um, to uh, make Europe more resilient to attack. So, legal instruments is one uh, a major mitigation action at national level. Uh, then we have, of course, the policies and strategies, and then we have technology. So, uh, first of all, the the infrastructures need to uh, definitely assess uh, and identify their risks, undertake controls uh, continuously. It's not uh, they don't do it once and they forget mm -hmm. about it. So, as uh, cybersecurity has a whole, uh, it's it's, it's a, a, a continuous concern. It has this uh, continuous life cycle. So, every something changes within the infrastructure, they need to restart uh, the assessment, the undertake, undertaking of controls and so on. So, prepare, uh, preparation is a very big step. And preparation means assessing risks, take controls, so at the preparation level. Now, if you are prepared and still, of course, you cannot, 100% uh, security does not exist, you will be vulnerable somewhere. Let's suppose you have an incident, you need to, the next step you, uh, an enterprise needs to, to follow is of course to be prepared for incidents, to have an incident management um, system in place, a team, whether it is in-house or outsourced, uh, a team that will definitely monitor continuously the infrastructure, the network, and so on, um, forecast event, monitor, and then in case of an incident, be able to analyze the incident, be able to respond fast in responding, in mitigating the incident, and if uh, something uh, damage is, is so damaging, well, they need to have a business continuity plan and it's just a recovery plan in place and activate it immediately uh, in order to um, to recover. So uh, at, to outline this, we need to better prepare our infrastructures by assessing risk take controls and also uh, have an instant handling instant management um, department, center, uh, uh, subcontractor, whatever, to, to be able to uh, manage uh, any security incident. And you're saying that these strategies um, are becoming more and more frequent 
whether it's in government or in institutions, I mean, it's becoming more and more um, of a predominant issue that these actors are looking into more seriously. Well, I, I at least in Europe, as I said, uh, NIS, uh, NIS two, these two uh, legislation impose uh, critical infrastructures, but also uh, providers of essential services, which uh, health, maritime, transport, uh, all uh, operators, also supply chain providers in the future, they are imposed to assess their risk, they are imposed to undertake controls, they are illegal if they don't. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is very important. Having fines uh, also is very important. And um, so... You mentioned um, you mentioned before the conflict in Russia and Ukraine, and we we have seen numerous uh, cyber attacks um, in that ongoing war. Do you think that cyber attacks have taken, or perhaps will take, a more central role in modern uh, warfare? Absolutely, that will be the war. The, the, the cyber war will be the 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 the, the, the new uh, the new weapon. Uh, we see in uh, the military uh, and in defense uh, sector, first of all, we see dual use technologies, drones mm -hmm. are, are being used all the time. We saw in Ukraine war as well, drones, which actually is a technology that is dual use, is being used for civilians and also uh, military operations. We have all this technology, like uh, smart clothing of the soldiers, smart weapons uh, yeah, that embed biometrics. Uh, we see um, all these um, uh, autonomous vessels, autonomous um military vessels. So we will see all these uh, technologies uh, being used. And if we use technologies, the the uh, risk, the risk will be there, the, the threats will be there. And uh, of course, uh, uh, the the military operations uh, in the, the future, the, in the future, then they will be um, they will really need to, the entity that will win will be the one that is uh, more resilient to massive attacks because, of course, everybody will try to to attack mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 the cyber weapons that it, are being used. Yeah, it's interesting to me how you know, we're, we're seeing these sort of attacks taking more and more place, even just to prove a point. I remember a couple of days ago, the European Parliament um, issued a statement um, claiming, you know, pro-Russian forces uh, as uh, cyber terrorists. And then just yesterday, the president of the European Parliament announced that the European Parliament was um, uh, was a victim of a cyber attack that was claimed by a pro-Kremlin um uh, group um again i don't know what the purpose is behind this but definitely just to prove a point that you know we're stronger than you think uh and you know imposing their presence it, it's fascinating to see how politics in general has shifted uh in this manner well uh there are many other hostile countries Mm -hmm. that uh, have attacked uh, Europe. Uh, so 
we will see this all the time. That will be the game. Uh, countries uh, will, will, will uh, train uh, cyber soldiers uh, to to create massive attacks and uh, um, and incidents and uh, security uh, and, and you know uh, security incidents with uh, uh, high impacts. Uh, their lives or, or infrastructures, uh, damaging infrastructures, uh, and so on. So uh, this is the reason, actually, cyber diplomacy is a very important mm -hmm. aspect. Uh, Europe, for example, they have, uh, with the European External Service specifically, uh, they, they promote uh, cyber diplomacy because uh, um, security, cyber security is not a European issue, is not an, an American issue, is not a Canadian issue, is an international issue. You need to collaborate in, if we want to eventually um, use uh, technologies for good and not for attacking each other. So cyber diplomacy is very important in uh, uh, finding like the minimum ethical values and the ethical means uh, that uh, will only that will bring peace and and uh, security. I don't want to take up a lot of your time. I know that with a time difference over there, it's getting late, uh, and I do appreciate uh, the time that you've uh, that you've given to the viewers and to the listeners. Is there anything in specific uh, specific that you are working on right now that you think uh, it would be of value to our listeners that perhaps we can point our attention to? I think that uh, one very important point is education. People need to be educated from very early on um, on on. Coming first of all on cybersecurity hygiene, you know, even uh, the minute that a little kid uh, picks up uh, uh, a terminal, whether it's a phone or any any terminal, we need to uh, work on um, cybersecurity hygiene from very early stage. We need to have cybersecurity education from uh, uh, early on. Uh, because uh, then it will be too late if we if we educate uh, uh, people at uh, uh, you know universities or, or uh, even high school. So we really need to invest on education, and uh, we need to find new ways to uh, to to have this uh, awareness raising, education, training at all levels with different models and as practical as possible. Um, what do I do in practice? Mm -hmm. How can I have like you? You never send uh, a uh, a fireman just to just you know take, uh, put out a fire. You do simulations. They they get the trained of how to to handle uh, virtual fires and so on. We need we need to do the same in cybersecurity education. And uh, I know uh, in the states uh, things are more flexible. We have they have all these very nice modules, more flexible education educational system. Uh, Europe is is uh, is trying to get. Uh, in this direction uh, because the university in Europe are a little more um, they are less dynamic and uh, very rigid mm -hmm. so uh, uh, European universities try to open up uh, build uh, 
public-private partnerships, um, collaborate with uh, companies uh, in order to uh, better train uh, uh, with pra and, and provide practical skills and more technological capabilities mm -hmm. in hand. So, um, and also teach people values and ethical values. It's not nice. It's not ethical to attack. So people need to 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 have and the companies as well a code of ethics that include um, cybersecurity behavior and uh, and uh, ethical attitudes. Uh Dr. Um, Polemi, I want to thank you so much for the time that you've taken um, to address our, our, our viewers and our listeners. Um, obviously, anyone interested can uh, can look you up and they can read all your publications. Um, and of course, if they want to read the further information, always, you know, they can visit the Strategy International website, strategyinternational.org, uh, where there are numerous publications on a variety of topics. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate your time and uh, the value that you've given to our viewers and our listeners. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for this invitation. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Strategy International podcast. Produced by PodMTL for Strategy International. Feel free to subscribe rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere fine podcasts can be found. This podcast is made for Strategy International Limited Cyprus. All copyrights reserved. This podcast, audio or audiovisual, may not be reproduced, duplicated, copied, sold, resold, visited, or otherwise exploited for any commercial, scientific, educational purpose without the written consent of Strategy International Limited and its legal representative.